0: Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles and I am the host of the Sendcast. We started the Sendcast a few years ago as a way to help improve knowledge around SEND. There is lots of stuff to read out there on the internet, but we're all very busy and don't have time to sit and read. Everyone working in schools needs training and support around SEND, but sadly the funding isn't there to help us achieve this. We created the Sendcast as a way to try and help solve that problem. To help make schools more inclusive, to help teachers be teachers of SEND and to help staff be more aware. The SENDcast is also a great way to get the same consistent messages to schools and parents. Every week on the SENDcast, we have a different guest on to talk about something they are passionate about. This week, we're talking about using story writing and reading with pupils and parents to help parents understand their child's emotions. I'm discussing this topic with my guest, Dr. Tricia Walters. Tricia is an educational therapist and the director of the Centre for Therapeutic Storywriting. The CENCAST is created and produced by us here at B Squared. Over the last 25 years, B Squared have supported schools to support students with SEND. Over the last few years, we have diversified. For years, we focused on assessment and showing those small steps of progress, and this will always be our main focus, But we have seen a lack of high quality, easy to access training and CPD for schools around SEND and this is impacting students. Our online CPD offering Training for Education started two years ago with a virtual SEND conference, but now includes a range of training courses as well as the conferences. You can find out more about our conferences and training courses by going to the Training for Education website, www.trainingforeducation.com. And at the end of the episode, I'll be sharing an exclusive Sencast discount code, so keep listening. Now, let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing how you can use story writing to engage parents to help support and understand their child's internal emotional world. My guest is Dr. Tricia Walters. Trisha is an educational therapist. Trisha began her career supporting pupils with emotional behavioural difficulties, and after that she moved on to leading the MA in SEN and inclusion at the University of Chichester, and is now the Director of the Centre for Therapeutic Story Writing. Welcome to the show, Trisha.
1: Hi, Dale. Thanks for inviting me along.
0: You're welcome. So we've previously discussed on another podcast, uh, Therapeutic Story Writing Groups, but today, we're focusing on how you can use a similar approach that focuses on reading to help parents understand their child's emotional concerns.
1: Okay, so as Dale mentioned, for quite a while, I developed therapeutic story writing groups. And um, in a sense, Story Links has grown out of that. And it was spurred on by my experience with uh, a little boy who I'm going to call Owen, not his real name. He was in a therapeutic story writing group in a school where I was trialling some research tools for a project we were doing. He worked really well in the story writing group, which has a maximum of six children, but in class he was kicking off, running around the corridors, getting into fights. And in the 10-week programme doing the story writing groups, he was being excluded for four of them. And on the last time he was excluded, he was standing outside the head teacher's office and said, Oh, please, miss, can I come and do my writing? He was a little eight year old boy and he had to go home on that occasion. But it made me start thinking about his needs and how to support him. He had very poor literacy, but he had enjoyed the writing. And I spoke to different people in the school, secretary, some of the teachers. It turned out when he was four, he'd been taken into care with his younger brother, who was two years younger than him. He was in care for two years, come back with his mother. And there really seemed to be a bit of a blame game between the school and the parent. number of, members of staff said, "Oh, while he's still da da with his mum, he's never going to sort out and he's a sweet boy, but nothing's happening. And I asked the head teacher how his relationship was with Owen's mother and he said well she comes gunning for me once a day and he said no twice a day. A poor relationship with the school and so I thought about what could we do here and um, the therapeutic story writing groups focus on supporting emotional well-being while also developing writing skills and I kind of had this idea that we could use reading as an attachment promoting activity. So clearly Owen had a lot of behaviours associated with attachment anxiety. But he clearly had attachment anxiety, was emotionally preoccupied, finding it very difficult to focus on on the work. So I spoke to the senko who had a contact with Owen's mother. Owen's mother could only come into school with a trusted social worker. So I said, well, let's have her in as well. So there was a senko myself the social worker and Owen's mother, I took a bit of a gamble. I read a short story that Owen had written in the therapeutic story writing group. I'd given him the opening. Do you know the dragon lay outside his cave? He was feeling angry. He had to continue the story he had written because he had no friends. So he burnt his mother's plants. That's all he wrote. So I reflected back to him. I can imagine he was angry because he was left out from the games, but I'm wondering why Dino the dragon burnt his mother's his mum's plants, and he replied, and I'd written this down in italics in the book. he replied, because Dino had called his mum seventeen times, but she still didn't come, so Dino just walked off into the dark shadows. We were sitting around the table, <laughs> Owen's mother looked quite depressed. She'd just been staring at the table, no eye contact. But when I read that story, she suddenly looked up directly at me and said, do you think children just write stories or are they about themselves? I replied, what do you think? She said, I think this is about him. I think it's because I don't give him any time. I give it all to, she referred to his younger brother as my baby. And She said, I think I need to come in and support him with this. That mother turned up for eight out of the ten sessions to the Story Links. And that was the first Story Links intervention that um, I ran. And then because I was at the university, I was in a fortunate position to get funding from Department for Education for a two-year project. And we trialled it in different scenarios and um, tested it and honed it. So that's how it began. (laughs) So it's not it, saying what it is, but that's how it began.
0: So it's the therapeutic story writing is, uh, it's not just rewriting stories. It's a whole approach we discussed previously, like mm-hmm. an hour long and 10 minutes of actually story writing, but it's about that calming, the emotional, being ready for writing. It's the having an opener. It's writing a story. It's hearing other stories. And there's, there's a lot to it. Yeah. And in this situation, Owen had gone through this process and written a story, and now you're actually reading that to the parent yeah. who's able to reflect on what well, is this story? Yeah, what is it I meaning? Mean, what is it telling me?
1: Well, it was more using the story to show, if you like, Owen's need for the parent to help, yeah. you know, through the story. which she was able to pick up, and this is a very interesting point because. It's that adolescence when we develop metacognitive thinking that we can actually read metaphor, story metaphor. The child doesn't do that, but Owen's mother, despite being you know quite depressed and struggling with life, she was able to do that. And story links really works with that. It works with putting the parent in the adult position. A lot of children and parents I've worked with the child has become what we can call the parentified child. The child is almost can be almost bullying the parents sometimes. I remember one little boy I worked with who was 8, lived with his mother and his younger sister. They weren't allowed to sit on the sofa. At home. <laughs> you know, the mother would sort of lock herself in the bedroom. It's like it's very interesting the dynamic that goes on but with the story links the fact that it's only the adult not the child who can read the metaphor means you're using an adult skill here and so it's using story metaphor to help the parent start to think about their child's internal emotional world i mean that maybe sounds of quite complex but in actual fact It operates through a very simple, it's a half hour session and it's almost like a party game. Yeah. I will start the story. I'll talk to the parent, first of all, to say what's going on with Johnny or whatever. You know, they might give an idea and we have a sense of what sort of character they think the child might engage with so it might be Larry the lizard was was feeling worried and then the child will add their bit and then the parent will add their bit and then the teaching assistant who comes to the session adds their bit and then we go around and it's a party game and what's really nice about it there's laughter because it's spontaneous it's creative and in terms of supporting children with attachment anxiety one of the the key aspects of promoting attachment, positive attachment, is that it should be mutually enjoyable. So for the child and also the parent.
0: I think as a parent, you you won't understand the impact of what you do on your children. And for a lot of people that aren't in good places, and they're balancing lots of different things, and they're very busy. So just going on, to that, I called my mum 17 times she might have been working a job to do this. There's reasons she didn't answer the phone. So she, to her, she I can't answer the phone, but not realising what that impact had on the child. And Sometimes you kind of have to hear it from your child to sit there and go, you do need a way of responding. Or you might just need, need explaining that actually give them more information around mm. why you couldn't respond. It's not you didn't love them. Mm. It was you're at work, your phone's not on you. or It's just mm. lots of things. So it's actually until you really hear... Mm. What that child feels, you as a parent might not have any clue how that action impacted yeah. on your child.
1: That's interesting because I never thought of Dino the Dragoners having a mobile, but maybe the child might did. Or I was just thought of him roaring across the mountainside, but who knows? Yes, but I just, I just, I, 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 I literally, when I
0: was saying Dino, I'm, I when you could say it, it's, it's a metaphor, yeah. I'm literally picturing a boy yeah. who's at a park. But no one, none of his friends, he's calling his mum on the phone and she's not answering. So that's how I heard it and visualised it. And why wasn't the mum answering Mm. the phone? What was the reason?
1: So I, I think the main thing with this is to... As I said, this mutually enjoyable activity. Because so it's like when you, when you're a young parent, you know, you've got your newborn toddler, whatever. And you're playing peekaboo, and you're having. F- I mean, you're not doing it because oh, I'm going to be a good parent. I'm going to play peekaboo. It's fun. Yes. It's got to be fun for the adult and fun for the child. And a lot of the parents who we engage with Storylinks have actually been, you know, what can go in the category sometimes called hard to engage parents perhaps the ones who don't turn up to the, the parents' evening. And sometimes, not always, but quite often, parents whose main interaction with the school is around poor behaviour from their child. And to be honest, I can quite understand parents coming up to talk about their child's you know bad behaviour again must make their heart sing. Of course it has to be done, but the idea with the, the story links is that the child has been identified as needing... Support and to keep it solution focused. So the parent is asked to come in not when there's been an incident in the playground, but asked to come in to support their child with their reading. So, whereas the story writing groups focus on writing, here the academic literacy skill is reading. So, it's um, most appropriate for children aged six to 10 or 11 who are a bit behind with their reading and to ask the parent as the most important person in their child's life if they would like to come in and support this programme in which we'll be creating stories together. So we'll be thinking also about the feelings of the character in order to help their child understand perhaps their own feelings and to be more settled in school.
0: Do you find when you're doing this, because I remember being on like school trips at my daughter's school, you'd have this game where somebody would start a story and it goes to the next person. Yeah. And it was very obvious. If you read the story out loud, you could literally go, girl, boy, girl, boy. Because she then had a lovely tea party, but then the dragon arrived and killed everyone. But it was okay because she survived and had another tea party, but then the dragon came back. And you can literally, it was very much a boy-girl thing going on. It was was always entertaining. Do you find when you're doing that with the child and the parent, the the child may be going, well, the boy did this because he was feeling unloved, and the parent might go, but the boy didn't realise it. Do you find that sometimes people defend themselves in that well, situation? That, that's really
1: interesting. I mean, we we have a sort of a warm-up before we you know, go straight into the story. We go around sort of anticlockwise just to check how everyone is feeling, and, and there's a little bit of an intro. But then with the story, I will lead off with the story opener and then the, the child, and the child will project onto the story how they're feeling. And... It's also we just sort of notice how attuned the parent is to the feelings of the character, whether they want to negate them or whether they can accept them and go along with that. That is interesting in itself. And whatever happens, happens. And sometimes it's completely wacky and and again, you know, quite often laughter. But I think that's the thing, this co-attunement of effect getting the parent to attune to how the child is feeling rather than coming in with, you know it should be like this or they should say sorry and let's make it all right. We don't lecture the parents on that. We just model it really. Occasionally we might say, might be good just to see if we can just follow what's happening with Larry Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, you're not talking about it directly. We don't want to sort of lecture the parent, but we're just modeling how we do it because
0: it is so the child has perceived something and it might be something the parent was oblivious to or it might be something the parent goes i have no choice i have to do that but it's like you can't change it but how could you do let's say you you have to work evenings you work nights and you want your mum home just picking up some random thing your mum has to work nights that's the job that's you can't really change that but okay so how can you make the child perceive what is it the child needs that you're not fulfilling by being there, and how can you fulfill that a different way? So I suppose it's sometimes the parent will be going, "Well, I've got to work nights," nice, or "His the dragon's mum has to work nights." Nice. The dragon's got to <laughs> deal with it, and that's, that's that's that because she's got the pressure and not mm. really might not be realizing the impact mm. of the child. Mm. Whereas you might have another parent going, "Okay, didn't realize the impact. I, I'll change jobs." Probably never going to happen mm. because life is life. But they might be able to then sit there and go, okay, so I can't change that. So but let's have some quality time before. Yeah, exactly. Or let's try and get a routine or something yeah, exactly. going, I mean, which reduces yeah. the anxiety. Yeah. And they help. Because yeah. the yeah. you can't always fix everything in just one thing. No, but no. that parent being aware yeah. of how that child is perceiving that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So there's two things that, you know, come to mind there. One is, I talked about that co-treatment of effect for positive attachment. The other thing is this co-construction of meaning, how the parent can help the child make sense of the world. So at the beginning of the session, there's five minutes just with the teacher and the parent, and also five minutes at the end. So it's quite short with the child, only 20 minutes with the child, which is mainly the story-making. And I will ask the parent, you know, how's Johnny been this week? What do you think about this story opener? We may have discussed that the previous week together. And getting the parent to start to think in the metaphor about what the child's experience has been. So, you know, one parent said, well, he's been really recently, till his cousin came to stay. So we think together in the story about perhaps we could have another dragon, Bruno, come to the cave. So thinking with the parent about what we could put into the story that reflects their child's experience. And for quite a lot of the parents we work with, they haven't seen that as a skill they can use in thinking about their child, this story metaphor.
0: So I assumed that it's kind of a session where the child and the parent are present the entire time. So is there a time, time where it's just you and the parents? Yeah,
1: five minutes at the beginning, five minutes at the end. Just 20 minutes With the the TA comes in with the child.
0: So it's kind of like five minutes of feeling the ground where yeah, we yeah. are. And
1: discussing the, what the story is going to be and how he's been this week. You know, another time, a boy who had a lot of anger issues, you know, was doing really well. And she said, yeah, she, he was doing great. But on the estate this week, a load of kids came out and started calling him names. So... We were doing a dragon story, and so we decided to have these other dragons come and call this dragon, you know, Green Spikes, Green Spikes. So, just to
0: the, see how the child the parent was
1: resp- thinking about the child's experience and how we can take that into story. Yeah.
0: That's nice. And at the end, you've got that five minutes. So, is that kind of sort of discussing how the child responded or and asking the parents? Yeah, so- well,
1: keeping it really open. Um, what did you think about the story this week? You know, how do you think it went? And then in the the beginning five minutes, the next week, because the parent, uh, when they come onto this intervention, and it's 10 weeks, obviously it's a school resource. There's a TA involved as well. They have some work to do in the week with the child. The the parent is asked to agree to hear their child read the story twice at home in the week. And that's quite significant. When we did the the two-year research project, we found that two-thirds of the parent's, we worked with had actually never heard their child read, and by the end, two thirds of them were hearing them read at least twice a week. I mean, they were asked to do that, but they'd got into the pattern. At the beginning of the session, we also say, "How did the reading go this week?" It hasn't always gone well, you know. Maybe the book got thrown across the the kitchen, or da da da. So there's a gentle discussion again, not lecturing the parent, but saying, you know, what might work better guiding them gently towards snuggling up together on the sofa or under the duvet did you enjoy hearing you know your child read and if they've got other siblings you know perhaps they were doing it while they were cooking dinner or something what could make this a a more relaxed experience so again this links to attachment theory because physical proximity promotes attachment so that snuggling up together
0: generally time is such a big important factor to your children Mm. they want some time with you they want you to engage with them so if when you're story writing you're literally going right come on story time you've got five minutes go (laughs) that's not going to be a good start if you're cooking oh i've got 10 minutes while i do the peas and or i peel this uh, just read to me while i do this yeah yeah. that's not going to be there so it's actually i suppose you're slowly coaching those parents to understand is you've got to devote some time and you've got to be able to approach that time mm. positively happily this isn't getting away of anything else you yeah. want to be here that's what you're really trying to coach those yeah, parents exactly. slowly into and then hopefully as they get try and get there they'll see how their child responds yes yeah, exactly because if you are doing that generally most children will respond positively to that mm. and that will hopefully then fuel it and they'll see that Actually, that went really well. Yeah. But it's, it's helping someone try it and be confident in yeah. trying it.
1: And it's just two 10-minute sessions a week, you know. It's not a huge thing. There hasn't got to be any written or anything. It's just hearing their child read. And then in school, the child works with the teaching assistant on the story again and reading it through. And there's scaffolding in terms of their reading skills. The next week, the child's asked to read the story, the Teacher running the group will make a note of, you know, perhaps which word families need to be practiced a bit more or whether it needs to be a more complex vocabulary or simpler. Sometimes we use paired reading. So it is, as well as addressing the emotional needs of the child, also supporting their reading skills.
0: Yeah. Just like we talked about story writing, there's so many, there could be so many barriers to writing. Mm and in reading there can be so many barriers yeah. so does it actually anyone want to listen do what does it matter me yeah. reading if no one wants yeah. no one wants to listen to me why should i read yeah so some children one of my daughters loves reading you mm-hmm. can lose her for a week with a book my other daughter just won't read and even when she was like year five i would read to her not mm. a simple books so we're talking full-on mm. harry potter sized books type mm. thing and she loved the stories, but she just didn't want to read. Mm. So I mm. would read to her and she loved it. and We mm. talked about it, but you, so you've got to help them want to read. Mm. You've got to help them hearing someone read is helping them develop their skills and you can correct and support and things like that. And, talk About how they're not my daughter wouldn't pause at full stops, and there was very monotonal that as they, they, they talked, nothing went up or down, it was quite boring to listen to, and then the this blah, 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 and things like that. And you yeah. literally, so you're modeling it, and things like that. And again, you've got lots of little bits to work through, but just giving time to help develop that mm. is the biggest, I think, the first barrier. And the biggest barrier is. Once you start doing that every week in 10 minutes, mm. it's not a big ask for them either, mm. or for you listening. Mm. It's not a small bit. It's a little bit, and we enjoyed it. We might have talked afterwards, or we, mm. or we did something else afterwards which was enjoyable. That's another good thing. If you do something reading, mm. like you read a book, and then you discuss after, it's a, great, it's a nice feeling. Mm. That will then want them to read more. Because mm. if I read and then this happened, mm. the more I read, the more that will happen. So you get like an emotional connection to reading as mm. well. Mm. But the more you read the more you will want to read and the more stories you'll want to find them hopefully will grow mm. on its own
1: what we found is that the story interestingly as well as going home and the parent who's coming into the sessions hearing the child read when we did the research what was interesting especially when there were parents mm. were separated the story was going to the parent who wasn't living in the family home and they were getting an input into the story That's good. and wanting to add something for the next story in school and also grandparents. So it became this positive attachment object, this story going around the family uh, in quite a number of cases and everyone getting involved with this story was very interesting. It was something new that I wasn't expecting.
0: That could be huge. I, I, I bet some children who feel when their parents are split up that they're passed from parent to parent like an unwanted suitcase. It's your turn to take the suitcase. You look after it for two days. I'll collect it in two days. It's kind of how some children, I Mm. think, feel. Because I've seen parents do things like that, or you hear things, you're going, how does that child Mm. feel? And the language they use when they describe each other, it's things like that. So if you do that with that parent, and they put a lot of effort and the other parent doesn't, is it because they love me less? Mm. Whereas actually if both parents are putting the same thing in, the same effort and they're both engaging that is going to be a huge confidence boost to that child that both parents love me mm. both parents want mm. to engage with my learning and want to listen to me read rather than only read with dad or only yeah. read with mum yeah
1: it was very interesting that there's you know. a, a really yeah. it can get really complicated
0: yeah and a child just wants to feel loved by both and not seen as a burden
1: exactly exactly you know, linking different members of the family, not always, but in uh, quite a few cases we found that. And also having the story as a link, a uh, positive attachment link between home and school, actually, so that at home the parent and child can remember a good experience where there was laughter in school in that story. And likewise for the, the child in school when they're working with the TA in those two 20-minute sessions during the week, it's a reminder of their parent being with them in school. After the story has been verbally created and the session finishes after 30 minutes, then the the teacher running the sessions has another half hour built into their timetable. They type up the story at the child's reading level, and that is tweaked as you go through through the weeks. And in typing up that story, we try to particularly keep, it's not a verbatim, because it would sort of be too long, but it's a good summary of the story. And uh, we try to keep the actual words that the parent and the child have used, their particular phrases.
0: It just actually reminded me of a friend of mine, and I wish we'd thought of it. a bit. I don't know if he thought of it or, saw, or he heard about it somewhere, but he wasn't always at home at bedtime, but he loved bedtime. He loved reading the stories, and he has a number of children. And they did the making up the story going around. Okay, so he yeah, would nice. start with no, but he would record it on yeah. his phone. Okay, nice. So before he starts, he'd go, push record. So one day, Dave the dragon was walking through the forest. And then they'd go around in a circle. Yeah. And the story would get silly. And the, yeah. well, Dave learned that he could fly. Yep. But only if she was wearing a pink t- And It would just go around and they'd yeah. record it all. But <laughs> it meant when he wasn't there, I used to play the story they created so they can listen oh, to nice. that story yeah. they created and yeah. laugh because yeah. they remember it. It's the
1: same principle, but here we're taking it into the child, also developing their reading skills and having it as an enjoyable experience for parents who perhaps only come in to be told that their child's, you know, thump somebody else in the face. <laughs> but
0: it's that enjoyable experience it's, is a really powerful thing because for some children and parents where we've got busy lives, busy pressure, lots of pressures, right. and the behaviour isn't good, to actually have an enjoyable experience together. And sometimes yep. you, say, you go, oh, it's going to the film's enjoyable. You go to the cinema, like, yep. yeah, but you sit in silence for two hours. There's no yep. engagement. To actually have something where you're engaging with each other, which is enjoyable, that you can yep. refer back to, yep. for so- that's a really big thing.
1: It's nice. And before the story is written down by the, the teacher when the story's been created, going round the circle two or three times, then the teacher says, and now I'm going to tell you our story. So she then repeats the story verbally to the group that they've just created. And that helps just check that we've got, you know, a red dragon instead of a green dragon or whatever. I think the fact that the teacher starts the story, kicks it off is really important because parental anxiety could be that their story's coming that's a bit like a kitchen sink drama, you know, and all the dirty linen or something. So it's really important that we keep it in the animal world or in the world of myth and fairy tale. So even if it goes out, you know, so if we start with Bertie Bear was um, romping through the woods, he was feeling a bit worried. And if someone then puts Bertie Bear sitting on a sofa with the TV remote, the teacher will say, well, let's think about that. You know, I think Bertie might be maybe climbing a rock to find some Honey, not taking them into the everyday you, want,
0: you kind of want to deal with the emotion that child dealt with while they were sitting on the sofa with the remote but you want to put it in more of the well the bears don't sit on that so the bear might have been sitting there eating honey yeah. and
1: yeah so we need to keep it emotionally safe and the the intervention has been designed to be that's for the parent and the child so that there's nothing About uh, to direct. If the parent, when they come into the session, mentions something that's gone on, what we'll do is just say, Have you spoken to so and so about that? If they haven't, we refer on to somebody. We don't go into the details of of events. We're keeping it in the story metaphor and helping the, the parent to attune to what their child is feeling and also making sense of their experiences during the week through. Story metaphor.
0: Would you? You don't know because you're not the parent. Do you? Because I would imagine after something like that, is continuing that sort of conversation in the car because you've just had an enjoyable experience and that will kind of flow over. You might not talk about that, but you might then talk about other things and it's that keeping that good feeling going rather than just walking out of session and back to not talking to each other or being silent. Yeah. You kind of want that to keep going.
1: Yeah. It varies, you know, quite often it was interesting doing research, like, you know, a number of people who started doing that at home, making up stories when they were walking the dog. Another family had started doing the sessions with the other siblings at home, making up stories So, yeah, that was uh, really great to hear, actually. In a family
0: thing, it was Dave but his big brother was being mean. (laughs) I can imagine lots of those come out, and the big brother's looking at it going, well, he only did it because his little sister. And you can literally hear them say it and unpick things. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was interesting in doing the research as well, because there were some parents who didn't have good literacy themselves, but were still able to engage. And because the language, the vocabulary, depending on the child's reading skills, It's going to be fairly simple. And also they've got some of their own words. The parents could develop their own literacy alongside the child.
0: So at the beginning, you sort of said that it's all started with that, you reading that story to the parent and the (coughs) parent kind of saying, do you think they're telling me something through their story? Mm -hmm. Do you ever have parents who didn't read, didn't understand kind of, you're sitting there going, oh, this is a lot in here. And the parent going, didn't really get anything from that.
1: Did you ever have come across that? Yeah, quite often. Generally by week four or five, the parent is starting to tweak that, you know, and I think that few minutes at the beginning with them is saying, what did you think about that story last week? What's the week been like? Where do you think we might go with the story this time? So that little bit of gentle nudging, but with the teacher taking the lead, that parents start to see there is this skill you know, of using metaphor, like you could even pick up a puppet or something and talk to the child you know, in in a story, gives them more ability to be the adult and to think about their child. You know, as I as I said at the beginning, to put them in the adult role.
0: And did you also find that some parents, she so talks about, oh, it was all going fine until this happened. Did you find that sometimes parents go? It all went wrong and for some reason on Tuesday he was grumpy and you kind of have to help the parent unpick why that might have been.
1: Yeah, I mean that comes out as well. I remember the example I was giving earlier of the eight-year-old boy who wouldn't let his mum and sister sit on the sofa and she said to me that, you know, that as I said earlier as well, that she used to lock herself up in the bedroom and she said anything for a quiet life. And uh, she talked about how when he had homework he wouldn't do it before going out to play and I I said... um, Just gently, you know, what would it be like if you really asked him to do what you wanted him to do? She said, well, all hell would break loose. She said, but I'll I'll give it a go this week. And the next week she came in and I said, well, how did it go? And she said, well, all hell did break loose. But the funny thing is, she said, the next day he just came in and did his homework before he went out to play without any fuss. And she said, from now on, I'm going to stick to my guns. So she'd gone from anything for a quiet life, locking herself away to being able to give some direction, sticking to her guns.
0: And sometimes you <laughs> so, sit there and locking yourself away, anything in a quiet life is you're kind of avoiding a problem because you're not confident yeah. in dealing with it. You're yeah. not Even just having some, if you're going to someone every week, whatever that's to do with, it can really give you confidence mm, in... Mm well, I'll try this, but if this doesn't work, they might give me something else to mm. do or they might be able to help me. And mm. That can be a really big confidence builder for parents yes. who feel like they're alone and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to try. It's just having yeah. someone in their corner, yeah. maybe trying to work out and not say, you're wrong, you're right, no judgments, but, you know, softly saying, well, have you tried?
1: Yeah, so we, do, we just try to really, gen- there's no sort of lecturing at all and only... When and if it comes up. I mean, the other thing we found that because you do a little pre evaluation with the parents and a post evaluation is to ask them how confident they feel with supporting their child mm-hmm. with reading. And a lot of parents say, well, I don't know because I don't know how to teach reading. Fair enough, you know. But what we do in the group, because each week the child reads the previous week's story, and, you know, I will start supporting the child in an appropriate way, you know, perhaps sounding out the first letter, or the last letter, whatever. And the parent just notices that, so you're not telling them, you're showing them. You're modelling it. Yeah, modelling it. And then at some point, usually the parent starts taking over and then we just let them do that. Because yeah.
0: when you think about it, you learned to read a very long time ago and you don't remember how you learned to read. So how are you supposed to, as a parent, know yeah. how to teach someone to read? You yeah. kind of want someone to yeah. model it for you. Yes, That's yeah. the problem, Is especially if, if you've got an older sibling who has children, you might mm. watch them go, oh. That's how you do it, mm. and you watch it, and then you're about mm. it. But if if you are, you don't have that opportunity. Mm. You've not seen that. You are feel like you really are. I don't yeah. know what to do. I won't try. Yeah, that's that's the easy thing we yeah. all do. If I'm not sure, I won't try.
1: It's a fun and very powerful way to work, actually. And one of the the key people in the group is the teaching assistant because the teaching assistant also brings from the class teacher how the child's been during the week and lets the parent know that, and the child knows that's going to happen. And also the teaching assistant has those two 20-minute sessions during the week to work on the word level, sentence level of the the piece of the story that's been co-created. And the child then also has time to illustrate the stories. And at the teaching assistant sitting alongside... The child is quite key because then there might be just some general talking alongside and the, the picture will often deepen the metaphor. Yeah, And we found that because the teaching assistant is coming along to the sessions, doing those two extra sessions in the week, they often become what, I don't know if you know the work of Louise Bomber, what she talks about as the substitute attachment figure in school, which is really important. And that Often creates quite a bond between the teaching assistant and the pupil, and sometimes the schools we find are moving that same teaching assistant up to support that child because they feel it's a good that relationship. Security. That security supports them. Yeah. It's that
0: dependability, consistency. Yeah. yeah. The expectations are managed. Mm. You know. Mm. Yeah. There's a big, it's a big mm. benefit. And it's what everyone needs, and it's what most children get at home, mm. but not everyone. And I suppose with this, you're trying to help create that at home, that more dependent, that consistent, Mm. the attention. But you can have, the TA in school Mm. can provide that as well. Yeah,
1: and I think they've been involved in this creative, quite often laughter, um, promoting activity of creating the story. They hold the the book where all the stories are kept and the pictures are kept. And at the end of the 10-week intervention, we make a really nice book that the child can take away you know share with the class share at home
0: hopefully it's the start of something which will grow Mm. big thank you for coming on the show today absolutely loved talking about this um, learning about this and i can really see the benefit of getting that parental involvement and hearing the story and creating the stories and i'd love to be a fly in the wall on some of those (laughs) sessions when the children say something and the parents either completely oblivious and how that seeing their face or how they didn't know they, or being really defensive. I, can, I would love to kind of watch how mm-hmm. that then goes over week by week, how that would be fascinating to watch because mm-hmm. sometimes it'd be oblivious and then realising mm-hmm. and then feeling it. And then how that then changes their actions and how their child responds as they then sort of go, I had no idea, how do I change this? Or being really defensive, then maybe realising that mo- later on, I need to. Ch- it'd be fascinating yeah, to yeah. see it how is, that changes. It is
1: very interesting work, actually, and quite creative as well. And you've yeah. got a nice story. At the end you're not of
0: looking. It. You're not pointing a finger at any of them. You're pointing yeah. the finger at that dragon's mum.
1: <laughs> you're not necessarily <laughs> pointing
0: your finger at the dragon's mum. You know. You know. You're literally looking at. Oh, in, in the first story, the, we did. Yeah. yeah. You're first literally time. going, "Well, that dragon's mum should have picked. Should have answered that call.
1: <laughs> if he had a mobile.
0: If he had a mobile. <laughs> did even think of a roaring?
1: You how out of okay. touch I am with dragons. You're really? Okay,
0: good. Um, but yes, yeah, so you literally, because you're not pointing and saying you're, you're literally going, well, this dragon is a bit unhappy because of this. His, his mum didn't do this. And you're not looking at his person going, well, how could you not? There's <laughs> none of that going on. No,
1: I think getting away from that blame game, it just doesn't benefit anybody. No,
0: because you don't it's, know why that person is.
1: You don't know why that person isn't available. You know, I've worked with parents who've been bereaved, you know, lost their. Husband in pregnancy the people have all sorts of reasons why they haven't been able to bond with their child, you know. There's no point blaming them. It's like, what can we do? And to you move can't say, on? Go,
0: Well, you should have done this. It's like, well, you've not gone through their emotional journey. No, you've it's not just gone through what
1: they let's go from here yeah. and be positive and be creative and solution focused. And even um, then
0: you're not telling them what to do. They're kind of listening to their child. Informing them what they need so you're not mm. telling them mm. you're just giving the child a kind of a platform to air how they feel and the parent a chance to listen to that and then hopefully themselves decide how to fulfill that need
1: yeah and also on that level but also on another level we're also helping the child to to read yeah you know so there's a basic level as well that we're addressing and anything else is it'll be a plus <laughs> it is it is
0: thank you for today you've given me a couple of links i'll be sharing those in the show notes and you'll be also sharing your contact details and you can find the show notes where you have got wherever you got the episode from but also on our website thank you for listening to the show if you haven't subscribed already please do subscribe you can find all the links to subscribe across the different podcast platforms on our website which is www.thesencast.com Please follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at The Sendcast. On Facebook, we are The Sendcast. On Instagram, The Sendcast. And please let others know what you think of the podcast. Please share this podcast with as many people as you can. And before we go, I would just like to remind you to check out the Training for Education website. You'll find a number of guests like Trisha from The Sendcast are also speakers at our virtual SEND conferences. Or they may have recorded their own training course. Training for Education is a great way to get CPD to all staff around SEND that is effective and affordable. Visit www.trainingforeducation.com for more information. And as an exclusive gift to Sendcast listeners, you can get 10% discount on the virtual Send conferences, future or past, just by using the code Sendcast10. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Sendcast. It's goodbye from me.
1: And goodbye. Thank you. Bye.